All right. Well, hey, if you didn't have a chance to finish filling that nomination card out yet, that's okay. Um, if you fill it out by the end of the service, take it over here to the next steps table and we'll collect it over there. So that'll be no problem. So last week, I was supposed to remind you that we were doing deacon nominations this Sunday, and I forgot to do it. So that was my bad. So uh, we sent an email out this week to remind you. So if you didn't receive that email, that means you're not on our email list, and you can talk to Tina uh, Mascari about making sure you're on the email list to get updates and information about things that are going on in the life of our church. But I'm so grateful for our deacons. We had a meeting yesterday to just talk about uh, budget as we're headed into the new year and uh, just updates on some things happening in the life of our church. And um, I'm always so encouraged and blessed just to spend time with those men. And uh, so um, grateful for Bob, grateful for Rick, and grateful for Jason who have served faithfully. And uh, they'll rotate off this year, <clears throat> the, way, the way we do that, they rotate off and then don't serve for at least a year. And then next year, if you wanna nominate one of those guys again, then you can do that. And um, all of them are, are awesome and incredible guys and uh, grateful to serve with them. So again, if you didn't get a chance yet, <clears throat> if you don't know three people, <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't know three people to nominate, but you know one, that's okay. You can just write one name on there and you can turn that in. Or if you just don't wanna nominate anybody, that's okay too. But that's the process. And then we'll take all of those nominations. We'll sit down with the current deacons and go through the list and, and kind of see um, where we're at. And then we'll present three uh, individuals to you in December. And as a church, we'll vote to confirm uh, those deacons. So that's the way we do that, okay? Well, happy Thanksgiving. Um, I, I picked up a little tip from John on how to interact with the crowd. So when I say gobble, you say gobble, gobble, gobble. Yeah, good. Um, I'm excited about Thanksgiving. Sweet potato casserole, you know, you don't have very many occasions to eat that in the year, but I love sweet potato casserole, just FYI. Not with marshmallows, with pecans and brown sugar, uh, and just a little bit of sweet potatoes, mostly pecans and brown sugar. Uh, man, I love it. I'm excited to celebrate and to eat and celebrate and eat and then eat leftovers and then uh, repent. So it's going to be a good week. Uh, thank God for His grace and forgiveness. Um, well, we're going to continue our First John series today. We're going to be in First John chapter 3 and 4, uh, the last few verses of chapter 3 and the first few verses of chapter 4. Um, and we're continuing our First John series. We took a break last week as we uh, looked in Second Corinthians at some principles in giving and how that applies to us as we were making commitments for faith, promise, missions giving. And again, I want to echo what Corey said. I am so grateful for you, church, and your generosity giving above and beyond. Uh, and we're excited that God uh, will use that money in all kinds of incredible ways as we give toward global missions in the coming year. Um, as we wind down this year, uh, 2022, 
it's getting close to the end and, and we get to look at what's come in in our missions budget that has not already been distributed. And at the end of the year, we usually have some money left over that we're able to bless some specific missionaries and ministries and special projects. And so we'll give you a report on, on how that money is, is being spent. But um, we're so blessed to be able to partner with God and what he's doing all around the world. So a couple things as we, as we get back into 1 John. Um, the, the name of our series is That You May Know. And John, who wrote the book of 1 John, he, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was an apostle. Um, he wrote the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John when he was an old man. He was the last living disciple of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ. And he wrote to the church so that they could have confidence in their faith. He talks about knowing. He talks about confidence. He talks about assurance over and over and over in these letters that he wrote to the church. Kind of the key verse, the, the foundational verse for uh, the book of First John comes from First John chapter five, verse thirteen, where John writes, uh, "I have written these things, that is, the letter of First John, so that to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life." The letter of First John was written to give us confidence and assurance in our faith, to give us certainty, to know that we belong to God in Jesus Christ, to have certainty about our faith and our standing before God so that we can know who God is and know who we are and know who he has um, created us to be in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to look at First John uh, 3, 18 through 1 John 4, 6, and, uh, and these passages, again, talk about this idea of assurance and knowing and confidence before God. Uh, why don't you stand up with me? I'm just going to read the last few verses of the passage that we're going to look at this morning, which is 1 John 4, 4 through 6, and then we'll take a deeper look at the whole passage together. But here's what 1 John 4, 4 through 6 says. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, anyone who knows God listens to us, and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Let me pray, God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. And Lord, we live in a world that is full of lies, full of deception. Lord, we even lie to ourselves so often. So Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word today and that your truth would pierce through maybe the lies that we've believed, maybe the things that we're struggling with, and Lord, that you would transform us and sanctify us by your truth today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. So we're gonna flip back uh, to chapter three, um, and we're gonna look at uh, a few verses, but really that last section that we just read kind of 
pulls all of these thoughts together, and we want to look at this idea of, of confidence in our faith and, and, and the things that derail our confidence. So here's what 1 John 3, 18 says. John writes, and he says, uh, little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And a few weeks ago when Mike Knapper spoke for us, we prayed through this section of scripture in 1 John chapter 3. We prayed that God would grow a genuine love in our hearts, a love that, that, that steps in, a love that serves, a, a love that gives. And, and this is the last verse of that section uh, talking about that, that our love should not just be something that we say, but something that we demonstrate in a, in a genuine way. Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And then John says in 19, this is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. So uh, first John tells us that Christian love is evidence of genuine faith in our lives. He, he tells us don't love in, in word, but love in action and in truth. And then he goes on to say this, this demonstration of genuine Christian love will give you confidence in your faith because Christian love is evidence of our genuine faith. You see, when, when God saves us, he, he makes us a new creation and we're given the Holy Spirit. And scripture says that the fruit of the spirit is first love, joy, peace, long suffering. But the fruit of the spirit is love. And in our lives, when we realize and recognize the love of God for us, then he begins to produce a love in us for other people, even people who are hard to love. Jesus was really clear, wasn't he? he? He called us to love one another. He also said, love your enemies. This genuine love for others is evidence of our genuine faith. And when we find ourselves somehow loving people that might be hard to love, we can know and understand that God is doing a work in our lives of transforming us and making us a new creation. So John says this, this Christian love is evidence of genuine faith, but he continues um, and he, he says in verse 19, this is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. Now, John says, when you're living Christian love, it's a, it's a testimony, it's evidence of your genuine faith. However, sometimes your heart will lie to you. Sometimes your heart will lie to you. Jeremiah chapter 17 in the Old Testament verse 9 says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Scripture says our hearts lie to us all the time. Our hearts will tell us we're, we're doing bad when we're doing good, and our hearts will tell us that we're doing good when we're doing bad. I got to be honest with you, this week, I was, I was a little bit down on, on Tuesday and Wednesday, um, just kind of discouraged, uh, not, you know, not like the end of the world, but, but, but discouraged, and I was thinking, God, why am I discouraged? What's going on? And... Uh, and I just spent some time in prayer, um, 
And I began to think about all that God has done, the, the evidence of, of God's working, even this past week during Missions Week to celebrate all that God had done, the incredible victories, the, the provision of God for the coming year. And I, I just began to thank God for his faithfulness and his grace and his goodness. And, and all of a sudden that kind of, you know, a little bit down started to turn around uh, into celebration. Because sometimes our heart lies to us. Even when things are good, it, our heart just starts to say, well, come on, not really. Have you ever had those, you know, you, you just don't know why, but your heart is, is just kind of derailing you. That's what our heart does. That's what the enemy does. He, he tells us lies that, that, that begin to derail us and take us off course. And John is saying, believers, you can have confidence. You can know. He says, now, I want to warn you, sometimes your heart is going to deceive you. Sometimes your heart is, is going to condemn you. It's going to tell you God doesn't really love you. God can't really use you. You're not really saved. You're not really a child of God. But he continues, this is how we'll know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, verse 20, God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Our hearts will lie to us, but God's truth is greater than the lies of our hearts. So how do we anchor ourselves in God's truth instead of our feelings, the, the things that our heart is telling us? I mean, here's the truth. I can be hungry or tired or busy, and I start to lose sight of reality. Anybody ever been hungry and lost sight of reality, <laughs> right? Hangry, is that what we call it? Because we are human beings in a, in a body of flesh, and, and, and there are things that affect how we feel. There are things that affect our mood. There are things that affect us. And, and all of a sudden, we begin to make spiritual decisions based on having a bad day. And our heart is telling us lies, and the enemy is getting victory because we're believing lies. And sometimes we just need to stop. And we need to remind ourselves that God is greater than our hearts. And it says, he knows all things. This is really good news because our hearts are always changing. Right? Our, our mood is changing based on how much rest we got, based on, you know, uh, how the person in front of us drove on I-4 last night as we were coming home. And my wife had to remind me, Dustin, you're a pastor. Think of my safety, things like that, right? Because there's so much going on around us in our hearts, they, they, they deceive us, condemn us. But God is greater than our hearts. We have to remind ourselves of the truth and he knows all things. Here's what's incredible about that. God knows everything about you, everything. There's nothing hidden from him, scripture says. And he still loves you. And if you are in Christ, you are still a child of God. You are more loved than you ever dreamed. 
you are more sinful than you ever thought, but you are more loved than you ever dared dream in Christ. And we need to remind ourselves of that truth. So John says, when we live out genuine love, that's evidence of genuine faith in our lives. However, even if you're following God, even if you're seeking to please him, even if you're loving people the way he's called you to love them, sometimes you're going to have a bad day and your heart is going to deceive you. You're going to be hungry. You're going to be tired. You're going to be upset about something. You're going to have a conversation with somebody who, who discouraged you and your heart is going to begin to condemn you and deceive you. But It's okay because God is greater than your heart and you need to put your hope in him, not your feelings in the moment. So verse 21 says, dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, then we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him, that is Christ in him through the spirit. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. I love that verse 21 tells us that we can have confidence before God. We can have confidence confidence before God. What an incredible thought. A holy confidence, a spiritual confidence. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 puts it this way. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness or confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because of Jesus Christ, we can have confidence before God. And when we anchor ourselves in the truth instead of our feelings or the lies that our heart is telling us, then we can have confidence before God. Not only that, it says that we can also have confidence in prayer, knowing that he will, he will give whatever we ask. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about uh, the theology of prayer this morning. There's so much that scripture says about how we ask and what we ask for in prayer. The book of James tells us we have not because we ask not, but then it also says, and sometimes you ask for things with bad motives, and so God doesn't answer those prayers either. And so this is not just a blanket statement that says, hey, whatever you ask for, God's going to give it to you. And And we mess up sometimes because we live our life of faith thinking that somehow God is beholden to us and he just has to give us whatever we ask for. And then we grow disappointed when, when our prayer wasn't answered the way we hoped and we walk away and say, this faith thing is for losers. <laughs> this is not telling us that, that God will just do whatever we ask. But it's telling us that we can have confidence when we pray, that God truly does hear us. Jesus told us that God knows what we need before we ask. Scripture tells us that that God hears us, that he knows what we need, that he does answer our prayers. 
But when we anchor our lives in the truth, God begins to, to turn our hearts to the things that he desires for us and in us. And the best prayer to pray is, God, you're in control and not me. <laughs> so lead me where you want me to go and give me what you know that I need. But we can have confidence before God and we can have confidence in prayer. Verse 23 says, this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. These verses tell us that our obedience increases that confidence. We can have confidence before God. That's an incredible thought. We can approach his throne of grace with boldness and confidence. We can be confident in our prayers, but this scripture also tells us that obedience, our obedience and submission to what he desires for us increases our confidence. Because it tells us the one who keeps his commands remains in him. Our obedience causes our fellowship or our relationship with God to grow. Over and over in his letter, John talks about fellowship. He talks about abiding. He talks about remaining. These are, these are pictures of relationship, of nearness. And, and we're told that we can have a relationship with God. He says that, that the one who keeps his commands remains in him. That is, stays close to him, stays connected with him stays in fellowship with him, abides in him. And as we keep his commandments, as we follow his leading in our lives, it increases our relationship and that increases our confidence in him. Our confidence when our hearts condemn us, our confidence when we pray. You see, a lot of times we want this kind of relationship with God that is pretty one-sided. We want God to just make us feel good, do what we want, make everything okay, while we just do what we want and make ourselves feel good and tell ourselves that everything's okay. But that's not how a relationship with God works. That's not how any relationship works, right? We understand that. God knows what's best for us, wants what's best for us, and has the power to pull it off. Meanwhile, our hearts are telling us, no, 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 that's not what's best for you. This is what's best for you. We can have confidence before God, confidence in prayer. Obedience increases our confidence. And then he tells us, and the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. This reassuring work of of confidence and hope is accomplished through his spirit. Scripture talks about walking in the spirit, submitting to the spirit. As we seek him, as we pray, as we obey and follow him, then we grow in our intimacy and our relationship with him and his spirit, his Holy Spirit that is alive and at work within us assures us 
But this is where I really want to get to today because starting in chapter 4, verse 1, John says, look, if you live out Christian love the way Christ has commanded you, then that is evidence in your life that you belong to him. Now, sometimes your heart is going to condemn you. You might be following him, you might be desiring him, you might be obeying him, but your heart is going to tell you, no, 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 you've, you've missed it. But that's okay because God is greater than your heart. He knows everything. And you can have confidence before him if, if you'll base your life on his truth instead of the fickleness of your heart's promptings. You can have confidence before him. You can have confidence in prayer. And as you seek to follow him and obey him, it will increase your confidence and his Holy Spirit will confirm in your heart that you are his. But then in verse one of chapter four, he says, now dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is all about confidence and assurance. John wants us to have confidence and assurance in our faith. And he says, sometimes we don't have that because our hearts condemn us, right? But we anchor ourselves in the truth of who God is, and that increases our confidence in his spirit as it is at work within us. But then he gives an, another but. He says, but not every spirit is the Holy Spirit, not every spirit is the Holy Spirit, so test the spirits. So there's some important things that we need to understand. Not every good feeling is the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like just because you got goosebumps in a church service, that doesn't necessarily mean it was the Holy Spirit. I loved hearing y'all sing, come thou fount of every blessing. When, when you just hear a lot of voices singing loud together, that's moving. And the Holy Spirit can work in that. But just because you're in a service where people are singing loud and good, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the moving of the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful about our feelings. We have to be careful about... Um, what we're listening to. There are preachers who preach with passion, even conviction. They're convinced of what they're saying, but it doesn't mean it's of the spirit. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's real. There are Christian teachers who say things that make us feel good. It inspires us. It motivates us. But what they're saying is, we're going to see in just a minute, not really the things that we should be motivated or inspired by. Now, I want to be clear. God's word is full of motivation, is full of hope, is full of assurance. But the primary purpose of God's word is not just to make me feel good. 
It, it's to give me truth because God's word is truth. And sometimes God's word needs to punch you in the gut. <laughs> I, I know I need it. And that ultimately leads to motivation and inspiration when I recognize that the truth of God's word, not the lies of my heart, but the truth of God's word is correcting me. So I used to play sports a little bit in middle and the first part of high school. I did, when I got to 11th grade, um, they invited me not to play anymore because my grades weren't that good and I started playing guitar and then uh, that was my thing. I'm gonna tell you another story that has nothing to do with anything, but I just thought of it. Uh, so my dad uh, had a buddy that he grew up in high school with that was his football buddy and he was like a total meathead. Like, you know, like the, you know, his name was, well, I'm not gonna tell you his name because I shouldn't do that, but he had like a football player name, you know? And so uh, I was in high school, I think I was in 11th or 12th grade, I was not playing any sports you know, organized on a team at that time. He came to visit the church and I was standing in the back with my mom and, and he shook my hand and said, you playing, you playing any sports right now? And I said, uh, no, not right now. And my mom standing next to me puts her arm around me and goes, he plays the guitar. <laughs> that was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Thought like this guy has no respect. And I, he said something like, well, that's okay. You know, anyway. So I used to play some sports, and I, I remember playing basketball, and, and we had, there was cheerleaders that would come to the basketball games, and, uh, and they, you know, they would cheer and, and do their thing, and, and I remember the thing that I hated the most was when we would lose a basketball game, and at the end, the cheerleaders would go, we are proud of you, saying, we are proud of you. Anybody know? We. And I'm, and I'm thinking, we just lost by a lot. You should not be proud of us. That does not make me feel better. That makes it worse. Are you trying to rub salt in my wounds? Like, what is happening right now? Just go to your bus, and we'll go to our bus, and we won't talk. I am competitive. Uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. There's, there's right motivation and there's wrong motivation. And sometimes we don't need somebody telling us they're proud of us. We need a coach who grabs us by the shirt and says, hey, that was not your best game. <laughs> not, not because we need to be condemned, but because we need to grow. We need to become the people that God has created us to be, and we are proud of you, does not get the job done. And some of us just want to go to a church that says, we are proud of you, and we feel good about ourselves, but we are rotten. <laughs> and so, John is writing us, and he says, what God has called us to is love, and we need to love in action and in truth. And when we love that way, we can have confidence that we belong to him, that our faith is genuine, that we are connected to him, that we remain in him. Now, look, sometimes your heart is going to deceive you. 
you, you're going to be seeking God. You're going to be spending time with God. You're going to be in his word. You're going to be seeking to love people and your heart's going to tell you it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. And John says, don't worry about that. Your heart's going to deceive you, but God is greater than your heart. And he knows all things and you can have assurance through him. Stick to the truth of God and not to the applause of cheerleaders and allow him to assure you, to give you confidence, to give you hope. And you can have confidence before God and you can have confidence when you pray. And the more you seek him, the more you seek to follow him, the greater that confidence will grow and his Holy Spirit will assure you. Now, he, he changes tack. First, he says, sometimes your heart will condemn you and tell you you're doing bad when you're doing good. But he says, now also beware on the other side. The Holy Spirit gives us confidence before God, but sometimes there is a spirit that is not the spirit of God. And it will tell you you're doing good when you're doing bad. Both are lies. We don't need to be defeated when God has given us victory, but we don't need to feel victorious when we are living beneath God's call on our life either. And so John says, test the spirits. Don't believe every spirit that says we are proud of you. Verse two, this is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. We saw about the Antichrist in, in chapter 2, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So here's what this means. Because Jesus Christ is from God, he is the ultimate authority. John just told us, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So, because Jesus is from God, he is the ultimate authority. Are we good on that? Does that make sense? But the spirit of this world tells us many times that we are enough without Christ. It tells us that, that we can have our cake and eat it too. It tells us that, 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 you know, just find your own truth. You're enough. You're perfect just the way you are. God loves you, and he does. But he loves us too much to let us live in sin and live defeated and broken. And sometimes we, we listen to a spirit that is not the spirit of God. And we convince ourselves that we're okay and we can live lives on our own terms instead of submitting to God. And John is saying that is the spirit of the Antichrist. Because if Jesus is from God, then he is the ultimate authority. And if you're not living in submission to who Jesus is and you think you're okay, you are not okay. <laughs> We're called to submit to God for our own good, 
for our spiritual confidence, for our spiritual blessing, for our hope, for our future. Not because God's a bully, because God knows what's best for us, wants what's best for us, and has the power to pull it off. So John says, don't be condemned by your heart, but don't be convinced you're okay by a false spirit of this world and this culture that says everything's okay. God loves everybody. Everything's okay. God is love. We're going to see that t- next week. The, the verse, God is love, comes from 1 John. But that doesn't mean everything's okay. So I'm going to read these last few verses and then I'll be done. Verse 4, you are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. So he tells us we can have victory, we, we can conquer because the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. We can have true victory because the Holy Spirit is working in us. Not a, not a false victory. So let me just go back to the, we are proud of you. Like if you lost the game, you lost the game. And no amount of we are proud of you makes the loss any less real. And you can be on your way to hell and people can be singing, we are proud of you, singing, we are proud of you all the way till you get there. That does not make the road to hell any better. So John says, don't be deceived by your heart, but don't be deceived by the spirit of this world that says you are enough without Christ. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will only point to Jesus, the one who was sent from God. And then John says, In verse 6, we are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Now, here's what John is saying. John is an apostle. He is a writer of Scripture. God used the apostle John to write this letter that we're reading. And when he says, you will listen to us, he is talking about what God has revealed in his word by using the human means of the apostle John writing. So when I read these words and say, We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. I am not talking about me. I have no authority. I only declare the truth of God's word that is authoritative and is final and is truth. And so John says, don't don't listen to your heart. Don't listen to the applause of this world that cheer for you on on the road to hell. Listen to God's word, because God's word is truth. And in that and through that, you will have 
victory, confidence, hope. You will conquer the lies of your heart. You will conquer the lies of this world. But it's only through him. It's only through him. John has written so that we can know, 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 so that we can have confidence and hope. Do you want to know? Do you want to have confidence? John reminds us once again, it, it, it's, you know, John kind of just keeps saying the same things over and over. He wants us to know. He wants us to know. And, and he tells us, here, here's one way that you can know. Here's another way that you can know. And they are all kind of the same. Because <laughs> he wants to get the point across that we can know, that we can have hope, that we can have confidence, that we can have victory, that we can have assurance. So if you want that, you can have it. But it will only come through the truth of God's word. It will only come through submission to the person of Jesus Christ. And sometimes your heart will condemn you. And lead you astray and tell you that God doesn't love you, that God can't use you, that God's done with you, that you've messed up too much, and that's a lie. Don't listen to it. Listen to the truth of God's word. And sometimes the spirit of this world will say, you're enough, you can do it on your own. You've got this. We are proud of you. Don't listen to it, it's a lie. Listen to the truth of God's word. And when we do, we can have confidence before God, we can have confidence in prayer, and his Holy Spirit assures us that we are connected, united, remain, abide in him. That's good news. That's good news. Maybe today it didn't feel like good news to you, but it's good news. It's good news. Maybe today you needed a coach to grab you by the jersey but that's good, that's good for you. Maybe you've been listening to the cheers of this world too much, or maybe you've been listening to the lies of your heart too much today. I've written these things so that you who believe in the name of Jesus Christ may know that you have eternal life, we can know comes from the truth of God's word. Stand up with me this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth. Lord, today I pray for those who need to be encouraged. God, I pray that you would encourage them through your word. For those who have been listening to the lies of their heart that tell them that you can't use them, that, that you're done with them, that they've messed up too much. God, I pray that you would encourage them with the truth, that you would give them confidence before you. And Lord, I pray for those who need to be challenged today, who have been listening to the lies of this world to tell them that they don't need you, that they can do life on their own terms, that they've got it figured out. Lord, I pray that you would convict them and challenge them today and draw them close to yourself. Lord, we submit ourselves to your truth today. A submission that brings encouragement and a submission that brings challenge, but ultimately a submission that brings hope and assurance that we belong to you. 
So God, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of your spirit today. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna sing a song, and as we sing, I invite you to respond. If you wanna come pray today, you can come pray. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I would love to pray with you and show you how you can know Jesus Christ as Savior. If you don't know what that means, I'd love to tell you what that means. Come talk to me. If you wanna come pray and say, Lord, I, I've been believing the lies of my heart, come pray and give that to the Lord, or Lord, I've been believing the lies of this world, Come pray. However God is moving you, I invite you to respond.